What did the Buddhist monk say to the hot dog vendor? This is the problem with telling yourself jokes. Nothing's funny when you know the punchline. And I know the punchline because I know all the punchlines. Because I know all. I know all. I see all. These are the facts. And the facts make me all. Make me the storyteller. Make me the listener. Make me the campfire. Make me the stars. On a June day in the high fever of this century's messy teenage years, a man died in Central Park. He was walking to work, earbuds in, ambling through a shuffle of his entire music library when he came to the bike path, which wasn't so much a path as a ribbon of black pavement winding through the greenery. He looked both ways and, seeing no one coming, started across. But then halfway to the other side, a breeze reminded him his hair was getting a little long, so he stopped right in the middle of the road and opened the to-do list on his phone. He looked down into his hand, his thumb going doot-doot-doot, and somewhere between the fifth and sixth doot, a blue 10-speed bicycle came coursing around the blind and practically sliced the poor fellow in half. People ran over to help, but there was nothing they could do. The man's earbuds were still in, and as it all began to slip, the song ended, and into the shuffle he went. Celestial strings lifted him, pulling him into the sky as Nat King Cole sang Stardust through a microphone in 1957 into the man's ears in 2015. The man didn't want this song, and his last impulse was to skip ahead, but then he skipped ahead himself, from this world into the next. And the song went on, and Herka is still on his to-do list. I don't want to say it was the guy's fault, said Curvis later that day as he loomed over Roxy's cubicle in the City Hall press office. But he was playing on his phone in the middle of the bike path. I mean, it's sad, but dude, come on. Roxy agreed it was sad. Second one this year, and it's only June, he continued. We'll probably have to close the bike lanes. And yes, I'm sure we'll get complaints from the Peddlers Alliance. But if people keep getting run over by bicycles, what can those guys do, really, you know? Roxy shrugged, not knowing what those guys could do, really. Anyway, he said, I was thinking maybe we could have like a citywide campaign to get pedestrians to look up from their phones. Like, heads up, New York, or look up, New York, or look around, New York, something like that. Roxy said one of those was perfect. Which one? he asked. Roxy? Roxy looked up from her phone. Yes, Carvis? Which one was perfect? Um, she replied. Uh, say them again? He did. The middle one, definitely. It bothered Curvis that his assistant Roxy's opinion mattered so much to him. It also bothered him that she wasn't actually his assistant. She was below him in the chain of command, and he could tell her to do stuff, but she wasn't exclusively his, and this bothered him. It also bothered him that she was bad at her job. She never paid attention, didn't seem to care about the work, probably didn't even vote for the mayor, and dressed unprofessionally. Today's overalls were no exception. She was a bad hire, and this also bothered Curvis because he was the one who'd hired her. And most of all, it bothered him that she was pretty, Getting prettier every day, in fact. The overalls had something to do with it. Anywho, he said, I should get down there. Sounds like the big guy's in a mood. This might go late. Are you okay sticking around? She was. Curvis left. 
and for 45 minutes, Roxy didn't move from her desk chair in the empty bullpen at the press office. The lower half of her body swiveled lazily back and forth like the cattail pendulum of a clock, but the rest of her remained still, her elbows anchored to the desk, her phone in her hands, her face in her phone. She didn't mind being here. Had she left an hour earlier, she'd just be doing this at her kitchen table instead of her office desk. Whether she was at home in her apartment or here in City Hall, it didn't matter. Because wherever Roxy happened to be, she was never really there. Instead, she was here. Here, bicycle accidents were no matter for concern. Here, nothing mattered, and everything twinkled, and everyone buzzed about the premiere of a new reality show called Love on the Ugly Side, which sounded just awful and stupid, and Roxy couldn't wait to see it when she got home. But for now, she kept moving, because there was more to see, because there was always more to see. A married politician got caught with his mistress, and she was amused, until a child with a disability climbed to the top of a rock wall, and she was hopeful, until a friend announced he'd bought his first home, and she was jealous, until an article confirmed the seas were rising, and she was scared, until a panda got a bucket stuck on his head, and she LOL'd, and so on and so on. Each emotion erasing its predecessor from the dry erase board of her mind. An earthquake hit Los Angeles. Anyone else feel that? Yowza! Roxy felt concerned until further down, a celebrity whose makeup tutorials she loved retweeted a link to blueberry muffins or chihuahuas. And Roxy followed that link, and it took her over here to a series of photos, some of chihuahuas, some of blueberry muffins, and the blueberry muffins looked like chihuahuas, and the chihuahuas looked like blueberry muffins. And she was asked by the page to guess which was which. And Roxy laughed out loud. And out there, outside of her phone, her soft giggle scurried across the bright, empty bullpen like a mouse. Then she felt an urge. Maybe the big blueberry eyes of the chihuahuas stirred some procreational itch. Maybe the muffins made her mouth water. Whatever it was, something in the bottom of her stomach or the back of her brain gave the old familiar tug, and Roxy found her way over here to Pseudoronomy, where she met Bob. 